0: Or listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Yeah, so here we are. Uh, recording another episode not many of you should become teachers and we have some very special guests with us this week that i am thrilled to be chatting with and uh there's some people that you get to interact with very frequently dave dave so how about you uh give us a little rundown on who we are talking to today
1: I am so excited to have in studio two of uh, my current students, uh, Tessa and Jacob and uh, they agreed to come onto the podcast. actually these guys are some of our biggest fans, Riley which is which is hilarious. one of our questions we'll talk I- in a minute about uh, who we who we pitch this podcast to in terms of talking about education and teachers and now we have some of our some of our, our best and brightest students tuning in. so welcome to the show guys. Thank, Thank you, you. <laughs> So, Tessa and Jacob, why don't you tell us just a little bit about being a student at the school we teach at?
2: Mm -hmm. So, I've attended this school since I was in kindergarten, since five years old. And to me, that means that I've actually grown up. Like in this community, as you would say, steeped in the culture of this community. I speak the yeah. language, I know the culture. Like, I've grown up alongside these people my whole life, and that's obviously had a very formative role on shaping this person now. So I guess growing up here, that has definitely influenced faith, but also influenced intrapersonal things such as perspective, tolerance level, and global perspective. That's just like a bit of it.
3: Yeah, I think for me, I haven't had that chance to be steeped into that culture. Uh, I came in the grade seven. Uh, and so I came right in the middle between uh, kindergarten and grade 12. And so I was kind of interjected right away into a different culture. And going from a public uh, education system to a, a independent school, it was a really different experience, especially with the religious background. And so it wasn't something that I was used to. But coming uh, from a public school and not having that kind of background kind of makes me value the environment and the faith culture that we have here a little bit more.
0: All right, so we
3: are making this
0: podcast essentially for people who are working at schools that are faith-based, looking at faith and learning, Uh, but you guys are not educators. You're students that are attending the school here, and we are curious as to what draws you in. What brings you back to listen?
3: Uh, I think being a current student of Mr. McFarland, or Dave, uh, (laughs) (laughs) being in his class. It's (laughs) allowed for the podcast, no problem. Uh, being in his class and he kind of mentions uh his podcast and his teaching partners as well um mentions it and we first took a listen and uh just listening in for the first time uh, tessa and i are serving a part of the chapel leadership group here at uh, our school and um it kind of interests me and drew me in after hearing the first uh podcast uh, hearing about chapel and how we integrate faith and create an environment for chapel and so i sent it over to tessa uh, the day i heard it and then ever since then we've been listening to every episode
2: yeah, yeah, it was the same thing for me. I think when, at first when it was advertised, I, I admit I laughed, I was like, a podcast. That's, there was a level of, man, that's cool. And it was also, that's a podcast. But then <laughs> yeah. when Jacob sent it, I was like, okay, I should take a listen. And then I'd say there's about three levels of my interest. At first there's like, this is my teacher. I'm interested. I want to support. And then there's, this is my teacher talking about how he teaches me. So I want to know, what is he doing? Like, what is he trying to integrate into my learning that will influence me, that will shape me? And why is he doing it? And how will the outcome affect the product of my own learning? And then the third level is like Jacob said, serving on chapel leadership group means you have a hand in shaping the environment of the school, faith-wise, but also socially. And I, I, I really appreciate the type of conversation that goes on on here, that we're trying to be intentional, we have purpose, and that we wanna think about what we're doing, what we like, what we don't like, what we should keep, what we toss out.
1: Riley, I don't know about you, but like when we started this podcast, I I had this like personal goal of not shamelessly plugging my own product in the classroom. And so even, I, I think part of it just out, I probably couldn't contain myself or just kind of name dropping my own podcast. But uh, Tessa and Jacob, to hear you guys um, fascinated to, to listen in is is very encouraging. So thank you. There's something else that goes on. And having you guys here uh, just just brought it to mind. I'm always aware of the student body, those who are in my classroom space. I usually like to say our classroom space because we're, we're teaching. I'm teaching, you're learning, and we're all learning together. Um, Knowing that you guys are involved in chapel and chapel leadership this year, and I think this is one thing I'd love to hear a little bit more um, from you guys about, which is some of the changes and some of the, the initiatives that have happened in our chapel program. Because I've uh, I've tried to I've tried to live up our our standard here of being skeptical but not being cynical, and also aware that it it is. If I'm talking about chapel, I'm actually talking about the program that you guys have have a a strong part to play in. So tell us a little bit about about chapel ministry, what's happening here, and, and how you guys got involved and what you're up to.
3: The student council that we used to have until a year ago changed this year uh, in our senior year Mm -hmm. uh, Into five different branches all serving different um, Purposes through our school and this is completely led by students. Uh, It's just so that instead of having that uh, elite student council where uh, You have to apply and only certain students get in we wanted to make that leadership opportunity more open to all our students and so one of those five branches is chapel leadership and I think that this year with um, this new team, it's been really great to see uh, the chapels improve since it used to be one teacher uh, running weekly chapels every Wednesday, uh, finding speakers, or organizing songs uh, and having bands there. Um, but now that we have a full team doing it, full students ranging from grade 9 to grade 12, uh, there's just so many more um, voices that can be heard that can input into what chapel becomes. And there's, more, there's a deeper depth of um, discussion that we can have in our meetings. And so uh, it feels like there's more input from our students, making the chapels more appealing to our students as well.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think what you're talking about, like the five-brand structure, we call it salt just for short form in case I reference it. But I think what SALT has done in pulling in students into chapel organization like logistics, organization, and execution, aside from taking that burden off of the one teacher who's running it a bit, it's allowed students to have a voice in terms of organizing what they want to hear, in terms of manufacturing the atmosphere that they have to attend every Wednesday. And I think what we noticed before is chapel turned out to be this type of like typical every Wednesday morning event that no one really looked forward to, but went to out of obligation and routine. And that, when you have a structure like that, that forces you to go there out of obligation, it invokes reactance in the person. Like, that's just something that occurs naturally. You don't want to go because you're being told to. And then, when you can bring students into that, like the shaping process of chapel, instead of having people say, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to be a part of this, you're making me, you say, okay, what would you change, what would you do? And then you have a hand in that, and you can say, i would made this experience for myself and for my fellow students, I can appreciate it.
1: And I can say, being, having been here for, for eight years or so and, and sitting through many chapels and sitting through many classes where we debrief chapel... Um, And talk about it and students sometimes give their unvarnished opinions about uh, it. it, I I was only here maybe a a few months and I quickly realized that chapel was a contentious thing uh, in our school community. (laughs) Uh, I have, I've not heard... More positive feedback than I have in probably the last eight months with some of the new structures. I'm thinking of of the one that uh, that you guys launched. I think it's only only three or four chapels ago with Rumination Road. Do you want to? You guys, these are the authors of the architects of Rumination Road. What on earth is that, and why are people talking about it so positively?
2: Right, I didn't know it was getting positive feedback. I actually heard from a couple students that it's a bit of a a meme. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this term. It's a joke.
1: (laughs) 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 Every time I open my mouth in class, Tessa, I I fear that I'm saying something that is a meme on the internet that I have no context for. So we're in good company.
2: Yeah, but what I heard about Rumination Road from students is very different from what I heard from teachers and staff. It's Mm. that, well, Rumination Road, I should probably explain what it is. It's, um, it's a time that we integrate at the end of every chapel where students and teachers, basically the audience that witnesses like the whole event, gets to have a microphone or the microphone is brought to them and they get to have their voice heard by the rest of the quote, congregation and it's a response, a critique or a commentary on everything that's happened in that chapel. And I think what we were trying to do with it is just to have student voices at the front. I think a big issue with chapel before is that people felt like I'm coming into this building to get yakked at, as you would say. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a conversation, this is monologue, not dialogue. And so when you integrate something like that, where you can speak up, it really allows you to have different voices, different perspectives, being heard, which is really valuable.
0: I see. I love this idea, I think it's fascinating, especially because we are, like, I, I would like to be in the business of fostering a healthy skepticism and making a space for it in, in a place where historically there has been no space for, uh, it fascinates me, so I, I really do, yeah, I wish, I'm in the middle school, but I wish that, um, yeah, that it would really take take hold, that sounds amazing.
1: I'm fascinated to hear you guys mention the difference in responses to Rumination Road, having, having student response. Um, There's some teachers that respond too, um, and and sort of open for the community. You don't have somebody just parachute in and, uh, and then say their bit and, and leave. They, they respond to, to the community. I've heard positive things, but then again, I hang out in the hum office and talk to teachers and I hear a lot of positive things. Tell me about sort of what you've been hearing, uh, in the student community
3: yeah um with rumination road especially there's i think both positive and negative feedback even among students and it's really nice to hear that the teachers there's mostly positive feedback Um, but i think there's also that sense where teachers already have a voice in this community they in a sense have this authority over their students or it seems to have that kind of authority and so students sometimes aren't that open in sharing their voice in chapels in Rumination Road, where uh, they might have listened to a speaker speak at them for 30 minutes or a certain period of time, and they don't have a chance to respond. And so instead of opening up in during the time of Rumination Road or any kind of reflection, they'd rather uh, come up and more have a one-on-one experience with another student. And uh, I think that's there's another value in that of having student um, students plan chapels and lead chapels where students can come up to you freely and just talk to you about how things went, things that can be improved, things that went really well, and any kind of feedback or criticism that's there. Uh, So so I think there's a value in having us students uh, get that kind of feedback, but at the same time, uh, there's this go- ongoing joke in our chapel leadership team about Tessa and her depth of vocabulary. Uh, and so she's the one that came up with the word rumination in Rumination Road. Uh, and so s- sometimes there's the, that kind of feedback where it, there's more joking and there's, it's lighthearted, but at the same time there's that more meaningful feedback of, oh, this could have been done better or this was really great and this really spoke out to me in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so there's a the variety of feedback.
2: Can I extrapolate No.
0: Yeah, oh, I think- look at that Depth of vocabulary <laughs>
2: Exactly
3: <laughs> Some people can mock
1: But I think You know it's wonderful If you walk into a chapel And you have to look up The word rumination That's, that's faith And learning Happening at the same time Come on
0: <laughs> Stop. Sorry <Dan> <laughs>
2: Double kick I think What you were talking about With um, This is kind of like a little bit off topic. What you're talking about with, there's a variety of feedback. People joke about it, people appreciate it, and people scorn it. There's, I think, one of the biggest things I learned from chapel leadership this year is something actually one of our other teachers said when I I was struggling with like bearing the burden of a lot of negative feedback and criticism after one chapel. And I said, I don't know how to deal with this. This is really hard. And he said, welcome to the life of ministry, which I really appreciated, I think those simple words really taught me that this is a necessary almost integral part of what we're doing because if you are not willing to bear that burden then maybe this isn't the right position for me to be in and it's been good encouragement to like you guys say on your show skepticism not cynicism to take all that feedback with a grain of salt but also take it in stride and kind of curate what i receive after chapel to make chapels more effective in the future.
1: So, when we're not recording podcasts together, we spend most of our time uh, in an IB history classroom. Actually, IB humanities. I mean, if you can talk a little bit about that. Uh, we've had Irvin Duick on our on our show as well, and so we've got the whole the whole collection of of teachers and students so IB is fairly academically rigorous and uh, our listeners can probably tell we're dealing with very articulate students here and uh, so the IB program is is one of the venues in our in our school community and we talk about faith and we talk about learning and we do the integration stuff so we talk about it at a theory level how do you experience it as a student and what are your thoughts
2: on it? I think some of our teachers in particular humanities have done a really extraordinary job of integrating faith and learning seriously in the classroom it's you wouldn't expect these two subjects to merge like usually in my past experience even at the school I haven't been to another school but those two things have usually been divorced we don't talk about Jesus when we talk about mathematics those things just don't merge it's like oil and water yet in humanities I've found there's a lot more space for there to be integration there like the combining faith with my knowledge of humanities whether it be history or english actually helps me to retain that knowledge even better i've found because it it makes it meaningful to me on two levels there's a the cerebral and then there's the heart knowledge and when you connect faith with learning i think it sticks in both of those places which is really important Beautiful, Basic.
3: I also think that oh, staying away from just humanities classes, uh, for any of the classes, even if um, IB, uh, you can hear, always, if you're walking down the hallways, you can hear IB kids yelling or uh, on the floor crying or <laughs> ranting and complaining about assignments. Uh, but more than that, Fetal I think... Position <laughs> and- Yeah, but I think in all of our classes there's this preconceived like notion that we're in a Christian school or we're in an independent school, and religion has become a context in which we're learning, and so it's there's it's already we have hard knowledge already that affects the knowledge that we're putting into our heads, and so um, whenever we're learning, even in the sciences or in math. Even just the way that the teacher speaks on certain topics like in chemistry and biology even about evolution in biology We already have this knowledge about faith, and so we talk about evolution in the context of faith instead of talking completely scientifically. And so there is that integration of faith. Even if we aren't completely noticing it, we have that bias or implicit bias of faith. No matter what we're listening to or hearing about, we have that bias of faith. And I think that affects me at least in all of our classes, even just in the teacher's teaching style or the words that are said. Um, I don't think the way that teachers teach here at our school could work at a public school.
1: So for people who are familiar with IB, there's this theory of knowledge course. And so you guys are talking about like faith and like this perspective you're bringing and it's, it's built in, it's implicit. So is this a, this is not a quiz. So you can, and you could make this up because I actually forget. Is, is faith a way of knowing? Is it a, that's the one, A, not B. Uh, w- ways of knowing versus areas of knowledge. Again, not a quiz, but what's the difference between those two? Because I think there's something here, this is exactly what you guys embody as these IB students.
2: Right, so like, yes, what you were talking about, theory of knowledge, it focuses on these two. You can think of them as a circle within a circle. Area of knowledge is your big outer circle. And then within that, there's another smaller one that is comprised of your ways of knowing. Ways of knowing can be applied to any area of knowledge. And some like, samples of areas of knowledge would be mathematics, um, arts, natural science, things like that. And then ways of knowing samples would be faith, emotion, logic. And the thing with the ways of knowing is that there are tools we use to curate our knowledge and to form our knowledge. So when I'm, say I'm tackling a math problem, I use logic and I probably don't use emotion. And that would fall under the area of knowing of mathematics. Mm. So ways of knowing would be tools and areas of knowledge are the domains that you're delving into with those tools.
3: And I think the way that our TOK teacher put it was that an area of knowing is what we believe or what we know and the way of knowing is how we know what we know. And so there's that idea of how. Um, and even in our TOK classes, uh, the only question that our teacher used to ask us is why. And so any, kind, any fact or any statement that we said or any kind of claim that we made um, he would ask us why, and we would end up breaking down our argument or breaking down our statement into what What are we saying, principally? And uh, is breaking down what we know by how we have attained that knowledge, and like what What, what do we mean by what we're saying, in a sense?
0: no is that the the ending music there in the background it is we're going to do a little bit of an extended play of this ending music this week just by request of jacob and tessa but i want to let you know that jacob and tessa will be in next week's episode as well. We have part two of our conversation with them, and it is fabulous. So much to learn from these insightful teenagers. So I make sure you subscribe on whatever app you listen to. That's the best way for you to realize that we have dropped a new episode. In addition to that, make sure you give us a five-star review on the app of your choice. That lets other people know that this is a great podcast to listen to and gets us in the ears of more Christian educators. If you want to get in touch with us, you got to get on Twitter. We need more Christian educators on Twitter. Seriously. So be sure to reach out at not many of you. That's where you can find us, all the links that we post and all that jazz. Until then, we will see you next time. Bye-bye.